Dan Radio Style. Hope everybody out there is having themselves a great day. First chapter out of Awakened Imagination and the Search. It's Neville Goddard, another great book out of The Complete Reader. Love this book. There's a link below if you want to check it out. First chapter is called Who is Your Imagination? One of the key takeaways that I think comes from this one. Goddard talks about how we do not necessarily ignore reality while we manifest, right? A lot of us talk about how we have it already, and for many, that's a big paradox. How do we live with this paradox? The fact that I have it already, but I don't actually see it in reality. And the way he kind of phrases it is, it's our world of becoming. We're kind of, like I like to call it, in process. And it really is the concept of understanding how our focus internally, our internal work, actually creates the outer world. And so that's the big takeaway. The big thing is that we need to understand that correlation. We need to be able to see it in our real lives. So imagination is key to unlock the doors in our dreams. He's been talking a lot about this. And through him, or imagination, or Christ, he uses the analogy, all things are possible. And of course, you got to persist in the feeling of the wish fulfilled until that actually occurs. Literally, our imagination is one of the strongest tools we have and capable of changing any situation, no matter the obstacles, no matter the outer surroundings, no matter what things seem like. Our imagination is always capable of helping us get out of these particular waters. Certain words in the course of long use gather so many strange connotations that they almost cease to mean anything at all. Such a word is imagination. This word is made to serve all manner of ideas, some of them directly opposed to one another. Fancy, thought, hallucination, suspicion. Indeed, so wide is its use and so varied its meanings. The word imagination has no status nor fixed significance. For example, we ask a man to use his imagination, meaning that his present outlook is too restricted and therefore not equal to the task. In the next breath, we tell him that his ideas are pure imagination, thereby implying that his ideas are unsound. We speak of jealous or suspicious persons as victims of their own imagination, meaning that his thoughts are untrue. A minute later, we pay a man the highest tribute by describing him as a man of imagination. Through imagination, we disarm and transform the violence of the world. Our most intimate as well as our most casual relationships become imaginative as we awaken to the mystery hid from the ages, that Christ is us in our imagination. We then realize that only as we live by imagination can we truly be said to live at all. The supreme test of sonship is the forgiveness of sin. The test that your imagination is Christ Jesus, the Son of God, is your ability to forgive sin. Sin means missing one's mark in life, falling short of one's ideal, failing to achieve one's aim. Forgiveness means identification of man with his ideal or aim in life. This is the work of the awakened imagination, the supreme work, for it tests man's ability to enter into and partake of the nature of his opposite. Let the weak man say, I am strong, in Joel chapter 3, verse 10. Reasonably, this is impossible. Only awakened imagination can enter into and partake of the nature of its opposite. This conception of Christ Jesus as human imagination raises these fundamental questions. Is imagination a power sufficient not merely to enable me to assume that I am strong, but is it also of itself capable of executing the idea? Suppose that I desire to be some other place or situation. Could I, by imagining myself into such a state and place, 
bring about their physical realization. Suppose I could not afford the journey, and suppose my present social and financial status oppose the idea that I want to realize. Essentially, your real world doesn't allow for this, right? You're currently your real world. You're not able to manifest this. Would imagination be sufficient of itself to incarnate these desires? Does imagination comprehend reason? By reason, I mean deductions from the observation of the senses. Does it recognize the external world of facts? In the practical way of everyday life, is imagination a complete guide to behavior? Suppose I am capable of acting with continuous imagination, that is, suppose I am capable of sustaining the feeling of the wish fulfilled, will my assumptions harden into fact? And if it does harden into fact, shall I on reflection find that my actions through the period of incubation have been reasonable? Meaning, is it a reasonable amount of time for this to go from me thinking uh, internally, me having the feeling of the wish fulfilled, and the incubation period or the time it takes to actually come into physicality? Is that a reasonable amount of time? Is my imagination a power sufficient not merely to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled, but is it also of itself capable of incarnating the idea? After assuming that I am already what I want to be, must I continually guide myself by reasonable ideas and actions in order to bring about the fulfillment of my assumption? Experience has convinced me that an assumption, though false, if persisted in, will harden into fact. That continuous imagination is sufficient for all things, and all my reasonable plans and actions will never make up for my lack of continuous imagination. And what he's saying here is imagination, the law of assumption, all these things are tied in together. Whatever your situation is, whatever your physical reality states, if you continue to imagine that which you desire to experience, if you continue to feel the feeling of the wish fulfilled, and if you hold that feeling, it does become concrete. It does show up in physical worlds. It's one of those things where it's like, I, prove me wrong. I dare you to, because you'll find that the more you focus and look on these things, the more you start to see things in your outer world that tie into exactly what you've been putting your focus on. Truth depends upon the intensity of the imagination, not upon external facts. Facts are the fruit bearing witness of the use or misuse of the imagination. Man becomes what he imagines, meaning the outer world happens after the inner world. So if you're looking at the outer world and saying, oh no, then just change the inner world. It doesn't matter. You can constantly recreate the outer world. Man becomes what he imagines. He has a self-determined history. Imagination is the way, the truth, and the life revealed. We cannot get a hold of truth with the logical mind. Where the natural man of senses sees a bud, imagination sees a rose full in bloom. Truth cannot be encompassed by facts. As we awaken to the imaginative life, we discover that to imagine a thing is to make it so. That true judgment need not conform to the external reality to which it creates. And here's that key about how we deal with the becoming. The imaginative man does not deny the reality of the sensuous outer world of becoming, but he knows that it is the inner world of continuous imagination that is the force by which the sensuous outer world of becoming is brought to pass. He sees the outer world and all its happenings as projections from the inner world of imagination. To him, Everything is a manifestation of the mental activity which goes on in man's imagination. Without the sensuous, reasonable man being aware of it. But he realizes that every man must become conscious of this inner activity 
and sees the relationship between the inner casual world of imagination and the sensuous outer world of effects. It is a marvelous thing to find that you can imagine yourself into the state of your fulfilled desire and escape from jails which ignorance built. He will see everything in pure objectivity without any subjective relationship. Not realizing that all that he encounters is part of himself, he revels at the thought that he has chosen the condition of his life, and they are related by affinity to his own mental activity. Man must firmly come to believe that reality lies within him and not without. Although others have bodies, the life of their own, the reality is rooted in you, ends in you, as yours ends in God. Imagination is key to making all things possible. Even if you don't see what you want in the sensuous world or the world of senses, you still continue the imaginative process. You still continue the assuming process. And in so doing, you continue the manifestation process. You continue creating the outer world. There is a lot of fun, and you can play with smaller things. We've talked about this before with some of the more basic things to manifest, traffic signals, parking places, finding money, all sorts of fun little simple things. Really, it comes down to the same thing. You're imagining something occurring, and from that imagining, from that feeling as though this has happened, you are then able to create that physical action in your outer world. It is through imagination, through our own Christ conscience, that we are able to open up the door to our dreams. Stan Radio Style.